0: Welcome, everyone. My name is Steve Kalastik, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is a leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, fast, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about our program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Sarah Miller, who is the Director of Philanthropy and Foundation Operations for the Dental Trade Alliance Foundation. With a master's of public administration and a graduate certificate in nonprofit management, Sarah is dedicated to nonprofit service. She currently serves as a director of philanthropy and foundation operations for the Dental Trade Alliance Foundation, running the charitable arm of a national trade association in Washington, D.C. Sarah has for years, has years of experience leveraging institutional, individual, and corporate philanthropy for the benefit of nonprofits, along with general nonprofit and organizational management work. She spends her free time writing about nonprofit strategy and serving within volunteer nonprofit leadership roles. Sarah, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast.
1: Thank you, Stephen. I'm glad to be here.
0: So today's topic is how do foundations approve nonprofit grants? And um, for those of you who don't know, don't know me, um, before we get to Sarah, even more, um, I started off my career for eight years in sales, and and I worked for Xerox, which at the time was the Google of its time, and um, and one of the things that you learn in any type of uh, sales position is you want to know how the game is played before you actually get into the game. Because if you know how the game is played in regards to like major bids, in in regards to the decision making for who they're going to select as a vendor, um, if you know those things and you're able to kind of tailor your pitch a little more and have a better chance of winning and i think that really fits in today today's topic of again about how do foundations approve nonprofit grants because you know knowing the way foundations look at approving grants before you actually approve can give you maybe an inside advantage and that's why i was excited when 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 sarah and i talked about this topic before this podcast I thought this would be really helpful for executive directors, you know, uh, fundraising executives uh, to really understand the inner workings of a foundation. Um, So Sarah, do you kind of agree with what I'm saying?
1: Yes, I definitely agree. And in fact, um, one thing we tell our applicants is um, we're very open about, please call us with any questions you have about the process, the application. And we invite all of our applicants um, during their first time with our organization to look at what other successful grant projects have looked like. So then they also kind of get a feel for what we uh, fund because each, probably very similar in sales, each foundation, each organization has its own leadership, its own decision-making models, and kind of understanding not just that organization, but also how that organization's leadership makes decisions is really key to um you know winning a grant or having a successful grant application
0: cool so so before we uh, kind of get into this subject matter, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about the dental trade Alliance foundation that you um that you work for,
1: yeah, so it's the Charitable arm for a national trade association. And basically, what that means is that we are a foundation that fundraises within the dental trade and, um, partners within the oral health field. And so, a lot of our main donors are the, um, manufacturers, distributors, the, you know, not necessarily the people giving you dental care in the chair, but maybe the people making the chair, helping the, People who make the chair sell the chair. And so we fundraise and work with different um, means of philanthropy within this industry and then take that money and give it in terms of grants and scholarships or on big projects. And we also work with several other foundations and um, quite a few family foundations to also um, bring together projects or leverage um, leverage partnerships so that way we can kind of advance oral health care in a way that is going to be beneficial for multiple communities throughout the nation.
0: I'm surprised. I, I wasn't expecting the people who donate money to the uh, Dental Trade Alliance Foundation to be um, maybe I just don't know. I just don't know enough about foundations of, foundations, of course. But I was expecting you to say that you know it would be dentists who are maybe passing away and want to, you know, who passed away and want to give money to the the foundation to you know help people get good oral care who can't afford it or something like that. How, how come the companies um, that sell products and they give money to the foundation?
1: So we do have some that are similar to that. That's one area we're trying to grow on. Um, we created a, a legacy gift program to try to kind of capture that type of philanthropy. And um, we mostly work with corporations because as, as the charitable arm of a trade association, these, these companies and its leaders are already convening and talking about state of the industry and the state of oral health and so as an industry the the more people that have more access to oral health the better their businesses do and so it's kind of one of those situations where we're able to do good and it's it's mutually beneficial and then the family foundation that gave us um recently we just received last year around this time we received a million dollar donation from a family foundation and this is one of those situations where we had cultivated a relationship with this family um and its foundation for years and had talked about the potential for this major gift and they one reason why we really aligned well with the family and its foundation's mission was because the the father had uh, who had recently passed away had a he really wanted to help those who couldn't get a good dental education have access to, say, scholarships or have access to um, get into the dental profession. And they helped us initially set up our scholarship program. And then years down the line, they gifted us with this million dollars from their family foundation. And so we we do see a bit of both where you you have corporate leaders and these industry giants, as I call them, that want to see more people have kind of access to this industry and the dental profession. But then you have also corporations who, at the end of the day, it's good business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um I might be jumping around a little bit here, but do you keep statistics about how many... Um, people applied for the grant at your foundation versus how many people actually got money?
1: Yeah. So, we typically have about 70 to 80 applicants. Uh And of that, we usually award 10. Okay. And we have – so, of of the almost 80 applicants, we look through them and have – we have a few steps in our process. And we don't – we're a little unique because we don't ask everyone to spend the full length of time on a full application um, right at the start. We ask for a very preliminary proposal so that way you're not – we're not asking you to waste time if if your project or proposal just isn't a good fit. And so we ask for a preliminary proposal and then those that are just honestly have no chance of being a good fit for what our – for our strategic spending initiatives – we kind of um, take those out and we do not ask them to spend the time on a full application. And then from that pool, we usually only cut about 20 and then we ask that probably about 60 um, to submit the full application. And then from there, we, um, a few of us look at the grants and then the top maybe uh, 20, 20 plus, we then submit that to our grants committee and they go through and decide from that top group. And, and so before it gets to the grants committee, it goes through the grants chair, myself, and, um, a couple of public health and oral public health experts. And then it goes to the, um, to the actual grant committee, which is ultimately who decides, um, who gets the grants and then they also do a check on our process. And we have a lot of conversations to make sure the process and deciding the grants is, um, you know, not too lopsided or not too focused on one certain area, but making sure that it's fair to the, the grant applicants and it, it is going to broaden oral health care in a way that w- we hope it will.
0: What do you what do you think is the biggest mistake that people who apply to grants at your organization um make?
1: Probably not calling me, honestly. Um because there's a we have quite a few applicants who aren't I guess they don't do the research, right? So part of part of the and part of that is trying to call the organization or reach out to someone at the organization. Now, not all foundations are going to be as accessible as we try to be, but a lot of them, I think most grant applicants will find, a lot of them are going to be at least willing to take a call or take an email. And we see a lot of applicants that will apply and it's like they didn't read any of our website, any of our materials. They didn't look at any past grants we've awarded. And they, they make a few small, simple mistakes in just the application itself that when they do call after and ask me, for advice and feedback, I tell them, well, you mentioned you spend, you were going to spend this money um, directly on a, say, we we don't, we don't fund mobile dental vans, the van itself. We might fund the project that the, you know, an, a new project that the, the mobile van might be a part of, but we do not fund the ongoing services of the mobile van. And so... Someone will put in there a mobile van, but they might not word it correctly. And their project really isn't about the mobile van. It's about the project the mobile van is a part of. And that's a situation where if they had called me to ask about what we absolutely do not fund or what we see in grants, I could have very easily, you know, talked them through the project to make sure that they didn't put in their application that it looked like it was going to fund a mobile van. And so I invited them to apply again the next year, but it, it, I think that nonprofits really should, if they're going to spend the time and resources on a grant application, doing a little bit of research on the organization and trying to reach out to the organization, it, I think it's just such a necessary step that a lot of people overlook.
0: So you would, um, as you said that, you know, you're, you're uh um, foundation is, is, is very accessible that way. People may not know it, but you, but you, but you guys are, <clears throat> you know, some of the bigger foundations probably aren't as accessible for like, in other words, you know, calling them and having long conversations. It may be there, maybe not there. I mean, certainly you should always try. Right. So like in, in the case of your foundation, where, where would someone do all that research? I mean, certainly it's obvious they're going to – they should read your website in its entirety, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. I would say so, read the website and then we we do make our – we have a separate section for our grants. And we even put a – we have a little tab on the side now for – where you can see all of our previous grant applicants yeah. or grant winners. And Now if
0: – I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: And – as far as like how formal or informal some applications might be, I think even if you go online and look up a lot of these major foundations, their um, Form 990, like the PFs are going to be publicly available. And some of them will list their, say, if they prefer not to have people call them directly or they don't take cold applications. Sometimes these forms will list some of the application process or how they take applications. And that's that's also worth, you know, any spending a good solid bit of time on researching, say, um, the 990s online, their website, even any press releases, because sometimes some of these foundations that have a lot of money to give, but aren't necessarily in the spotlight, right? So you don't, you might not know about this amazing foundation that aligns perfectly with your goals and doing a quick search, Google search, trying to find maybe press releases about a foundation that announces a major initiative or that they're spending down their money and trying to give as much as their money as they can to organizations that align with their, their goals. It's just doing a general online look, um, it's always going to pay out.
0: Yeah, I um, I've never applied for a grant myself. Um, and uh, but one of the, the ideas I just thought of as you were saying that is, um, you know, uh, Google. For those of those who who don't know, it has something called Google Alerts. And if you just type in Google Alerts, you'll you're able to put in. Let's say, for example, if you want to work with the Dental Trade Alliance Foundation, you know. Like that, maybe you have identified that as being a good um, uh, place for you to potentially get a grant going forward. Um, If you put in Dental Trade Alliance Foundation into Google Alerts, um, you can once a week get a list of all of the any time that 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 uh, name was mentioned, or a press release, or grant was issued, and going forward. So once a week or once a month, you could get a snapshot of the what's been going on with the Dental Trade Alliance Foundation. So, so let's say, for example, you didn't win the grant this year, whatever, um, and you're applying next year and you're like, this is a good foundation. You would already see um, over a period of a year, all these different press releases and information about it, which might be a good way to kind of stay on top of what's Getting inside the mindset of the dental trade association, as an example, of course, um, is is there a is there a location on the web that lists all the grants that have been awarded?
1: So I think there's a there's a few different places. I know that there's a couple of foundation directories. I I do know some of them. You have to pay um, to see. I'm not sure if there's one end-all be-all place, but you could probably string together, say looking at, um, Candid, um, I believe their foundation, they have an online foundation directory. Um, usually if you subscribe to a couple of the different, um, like charity watchdogs, like charity navigator, um, guide star, they will sometimes put out lists and, um, Grants.gov or the um, USA Grants. There's a couple of different online places that do list grant opportunities and do list grant, like uh, you know some of the grant projects that have been awarded. But I don't believe there's one location. One yeah. location. Now, the closest you you might get is probably going to be behind a behind a paywall. So probably yeah. something like Candid's Foundation Directory Online, which formerly was the foundation center, um, that's probably going to be one of your closest bets.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, if, my understanding um, is that foundations are required every year um, to give out a certain amount of money by by law. Um, is that correct?
1: That – is and it isn't so you it if you are a if it's say a fam like a private foundation then yes they are required to give out um, a certain percentage uh, and I think that also state laws um, can kind of play a part in that and um, so we as a public charity um, we are not necessarily um, we don't have to give out so much. I mean, it looks really bad if you don't, and you're probably not going to get, you know, it's just, you're not going to do so well in fundraising and, um, and depending on your fundraising. So different States have different laws on how much of your fundraising has to then be given out for charitable purposes or used directly on programs and services. And, um, we are also, donor restricted in some of our areas. And I don't think a lot of people realize that even foundations, there are still some of those donor restrictions in place. So our our legacy gift, we are we are restricted to, um, it's an endowment, and we are allowed to take 5% off the earned um, to then turn around. And so that's about $50,000 a year. And then half of that, $25,000, has to go to a scholarship. And then the other twenty five thousand we can use for operational or um, support or to give out in grants, and but that twenty five thousand has to go to scholarships or it has to be a large scholarship or part of the scholarship program every single year. And so there are also some restrictions put in place, um, depending, you know, on foundation to foundation and some foundations, which the private foundations which are required to give out a certain amount. Um, if they're a family foundation, it's a little bit trickier because you have um, you have a few more people that are part of the decision-making process, and you're not only, you have your organizational goals, but you also have, you know, you're, you're there to honor the family, and so there's, there's that almost double set of key stakeholders um, that are part of deciding how the money gets spent.
0: So, um, you know, one of the first steps that we talked about is, you know, researching the web, you know, t- t- the website, you know, reading about maybe potentially past grants, reading the press releases, doing a Google search, you know, doing your research before you're, setting, you're starting to apply for a grant, giving, a, giving the place a call and seeing if they're willing to talk to you to kind of get some inside uh, information. Um What what are are the other things that you've noticed either that are good or bad that people do when they're applying for grants?
1: I would probably say it's using. It's always a great idea to have on hand kind of materials you can recycle for grants, so you're not reinventing the wheel every single time you apply for a grant. But having having you know making sure you have an update. updating process in place too we have now our application process is fully online um and we try to break it out so people aren't writing whole you know paper a white paper worth of an application um and so however we do have people who just want to send their materials to us and when you look at the materials it's because they've created these materials years ago and they just they're they're playing the numbers game right so they're not necessarily trying to establish relationships or find the best fit. They're just trying to get their project or their organization in front of as many funding opportunities as possible. And in doing so, though, they're they're sending out um, information that's not quite as updated. It's not quite as flexible, and it's not quite as um it, it's not quite as tailored to the opportunity in front of them. And so when I'm looking at these materials and I see, I'll go to their website and I see, oh, wait a second, you've actually impacted more individuals than what's on your application and the materials you sent me. So I would have been, you know, that's a number that could have really swayed a decision to see that many more individuals impacted and, or something um, like it kind of fits, but it's very obvious that it's, not necessarily them applying to our grant. Mm-hmm. And um and so there there's just a making sure the materials are updated and making sure you're you're not spending so much time on a set application type of materials that you can't be flexible and a bit more personal, kind of like a cover letter. I'm not going to I'm not going to use the same general cover letter with the same general language to every single job I would apply to. It's very, very similar. But I'm going to have a base and a template that I can then be flexible enough to plug in updated numbers or to be a bit more personal um, throughout.
0: So what's the first thing you'll notice when an application comes in?
1: So I first, honestly, I'll I'll look at the organization itself, and then I'll kind of do a skim through of um, what they're applying for. So specifically ours are project based. We, we provide seed funding for, um, so a lot of times these bigger funders won't give money until the organization has tried a pilot program or they have numbers to show its success. And so we like to provide the seed funding to give that, give these organizations and individuals a chance to start the project. So then they can use that funding and, the project start to get and attract bigger funders. And so for me, I look through at the project itself to make sure it's something that my board members and my grant committee is um, you know, I'm not wasting their time by putting it in front of them. Yeah. And also I look through to see I don't necessarily fixate on the making sure that the application itself is to the standard of a grant application. Now some Some organizations will, but I I really like to look at the project itself. I'll look up the organization, see what it is that they're doing. And then I'll also look, we give a little bit of a bio for the person applying um, and look at the partnerships. So if there's an organization that it's um, because we, we do so much with pilot projects, but this is, I think, across the board for any kind of grant application, we like to see either you know, as much of the community as possible involved in a project or other partners to help it have, you know, a good chance for success and have as many, um, different perspectives, perspectives as possible. And so I'll also look, one of the major things I look at right off the start is to see if there are any partners listed or if they are engaging with other members of the community at all for the project.
0: Mm. So you, see, it would, you would think that, um, so if you look at your website, uh, would it would it be obvious that the your website um, for the Dental Trade Association um, Alliance? It, would it be obvious that it that it would be for one of the areas that would be is for startups?
1: Yes, I'm I'm gonna um, yeah. So we talk a little bit about um, on our on our grant website that um we call innovative pilot projects. And we talk uh we have a whole grant FAQ. Mm-hmm. So you can look at like questions like does the principal app organization have to be a 501c3? Um if I received a grant in the past, can I apply again? And then um our policy on funding indirect costs and reimbursement policies and then if you look at our recipients, we also put for a while, we, we put out a little bit of a podcast um, series that just talked about each individual piece that goes into our funding. And so one thing from that was the innovation piece. What does innovation mean to us? And why is that such a big deal for our grants? And that's done more specifically through our direct outreach with our mailing list.
0: Now the um, how common is it for the same person who um, the same uh, nonprofit that got a grant in prior years to continue to get grants? Is that very common?
1: Yes, yeah, and that's part of I think establishing that relationship. We have a few organizations that are just really great at getting these kind of innovative oral health projects up and kind of running and then working collaboratively with groups across the country to, um, kind of make it scalable. So that way the impact and the information and resources gained from that project isn't isolated to one specific group. And so when we see the, they are a trusted partner of ours when we see their name, just because we know that they're very just fantastic at, um, achieving what we hope could be achieved with these grants. And, but on the other hand, we also have, we had a couple of grants this past year that applied for years and never, never won a grant. And this year they finally won a grant. And we tell everyone we can't, we don't have enough money to fund everyone. But if, you know, if you keep applying, eventually your project, you're going to have a project or you're going to have a research initiative that's going to really resonate well with the committee. And so just keep applying.
0: What, what have you seen? Like, um, it must be kind of devastating to a nonprofit who's been getting grants from you on a consistent basis. And all of a sudden you have to, you've, you decide you're not going to give them one that next year. Um, what is a typical reason, the most common reason why a, a past organization would not get another grant?
1: Most likely, it's because there's so many grants that are going to go out and there were just another organization or a different project or something that won one of those grants. So
0: would you would you, you kind of say that you, I, I hate to say you got tired of that organization, <laughs> but you kind of want to spread the wealth out. And you're like, okay, well, we've given it to this organization for three years already. Um, maybe it's, you know, maybe they're, you know, they're still working on the same project, but maybe it's time for us to spread it out a little bit more.
1: I would say for us, it might be that they're still working within the same kind of area. So one example is, we started funding teledentistry um, back when it was still w- much more controversial than it is, and that kind of mid-level provider was still very disputed over you know your your main dental provider, the dentist. and and we were funding teledentistry very early on. Well, teledentistry is pretty established, and there's still a lot of controversy, but it's more on the policy side. And there's still you know, a lot to be done, but just directly teledentistry itself is not as innovative as, say, um, like right now, um, trying to find ways to get dental education to vulnerable populations um, via online or virtual education. Um, and so that way, uh, oral health, there's a problem with just even... Uh, Educating, there's that education piece about oral health being important for overall health that is done in a lot of communities on a face to face basis. Right now, everything is so virtual that people are trying to backtrack and figure out, okay, how can we deliver the same education and these the same vital information to these groups that aren't, you know, that that need the information but aren't going to be in a typical um, place to, to get it, and their their typical place to get it is now shut down. And so there might be an organization that's amazing, but they're still looking at teledentistry um, as we've already funded versus, okay, this is the situation now. How can we adapt and what are new projects? And then honestly, a lot of times by the time the it gets to the ultimate decision makers on who chooses the final grants in any foundation, it, you're getting so many amazing projects that it really does come down to Those decision makers at that time just want to fund a different organization or a different project.
0: What what happens if if it's obvious that someone you've given grants to in the past, or let's say even regardless, if if it's someone that wants to produce grants and it's obvious to you that they're a really, really well-run organization and like, for example, that they they have measurements in place and they can show you, you know, statistically how they're, how effective they are. It's obvious that they're very, very well run. Does that make it, a, 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 you know, does that make a impression on you um, uh, in in, in, in decision-making?
1: Yes. And a big part of that is because we want to be good stewards, of our donors' dollars. And if we if we fund organizations that ultimately do nothing with that money, then we've spent you know, we, part of our job is fundraising and getting these dollars that when we spend it on an organization that doesn't do anything with it or isn't very strong and probably didn't have the infrastructure in place to do something with it, then it's not fair to, it's not fair to us to spend the money to have it go nowhere because we can't get that money back when it could have gone on another organization that would have really helped say maybe, you know, 200 people in one senior care center get, um, get oral health that they wouldn't have gotten before and then have that model replicated in 10 other communities. And so it, we look at it as how do we make sure our money is spent in a way that's going to help as many people as possible. And by looking at organizational stability, we're also not saying, hey, you know, an organization that probably doesn't have the infrastructure necessary to pull off the kind of project they're applying for. um, We're going to give you all this money where we, we don't know and you don't know if you're even set up for success with the money. It's kind of unfair to, to do that to an organization. And it's also just a, a bad spend of money. Now, we do have some, we have a lot of first time applicants that have never applied to a grant before, but they'll win grant money from us. And it's not necessarily about being good at applying to grants. They have us, we know that we can trust them to help um, people and help advance oral health care in a way that. You know, we we want to see when we spend the money on them.
0: Are, are you really blunt when it comes to saying to an organization that maybe you worked with them a year or two or whatever, and you and you can see that they're they're not doing a good job. That they're like they're very they're you know they're you know are you do you come right out and say hey listen you know you got to do you know however you word it you got to do a better job. <laughs>
1: Yes. And we've actually had situations where we've had to um, talk to an organization about reimbursing whatever grant monies they haven't spent. Because in a lot of, it really happens and comes down to when, say, a principal applicant or an organization is doing so much, they just don't have the time and energy to focus on this particular grant project. And nothing gets done. And so we have a reporting period. and if if nothing is done with the grant by the reporting period, we'll we will extend. um we'll give extensions, no cost extensions because at the end of the day, we want the project to be complete. We want this uh, resource to be available to people. We want the information. we want our app our grantees to be as successful as possible. And so we give a lot of chances. so if by the time that we're saying, "Hey, nothing's been done." where are you at? It's usually we've given, you know, a decent amount of chances or we have a solid enough reason to go to and be blunt, but blunt in a way that we can say, well, you're how you want to pivot to make the grant possible. Just, you know, you're going to spend money in a way that we don't feel comfortable with, or, well, that's so outside the scope of the original project. We'd have to go back and get approval for you to spend that. You know, there by the time that, it gets to that point. There's already so many sol. there's solid enough reasons for us to go to them with that. It's easier for us to be blunt about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Really interesting stuff. I, um, yeah, it's it's, it's, um, uh, there's a lot to it. I really appreciate what you do, Sarah. Um, and thank you for coming on today as well. Um, So uh, I would like to thank – that's really all the time we have for today. Hopefully, everybody, our listeners got a lot out of this. I would like to thank so very much Sarah Miller from the Dental Trade Alliance Foundation for coming on today. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you liked today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Sarah, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that?
1: So they can find me on LinkedIn, um, Sarah Miller, Dental Trade Alliance Foundation. And uh, my email is www or sorry that's that's not an email my email is sarah miller at dental trade alliance foundation dot org and feel free to email me about um, the grants process my organization specific grants process um, anything I'm always ha- happy to chat about nonprofits and thank you Stephen for having me on to do so right now
0: oh Sarah you're great great information and for all of our listeners out there you know it's uh- always it's a very challenging time right now with everything going on with uh, the pandemic with politics with people having you know major issues right now we just want to thank you all for making the world a better place you're sorely needed and much appreciated for helping us all be better citizens and better better human beings thanks for listening thank you